BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Now, qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and, of course, mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean and claim your eligibility for free, your brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything. I couldn't get a good night's sleep. And this is neither drug nor alcohol induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it. And he fitted me for my first my pillow. And it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer. And the good news, you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com, promo code Sean, and take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers, his special four-pack. You get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow's made in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10-year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now, use the promo code SEAN, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. All right, what a breaking news day this is on all fronts. We've got it all covered for you. Amazing numbers on the economy. It literally is in overdrive, and records are being set. We'll go over all of those with you. We've got two big breaking deep state spygate stories to uh, pass on to you. Uh, one from Sarah Carter, one from John Solomon. We'll go over all the details, even Lindsey Graham now is pressing the ever-so-conflicted Rod Rosenstein to recuse himself from this whole, you know, Russiagate baloney uh, that we have. So we'll get to that and uh, much more. But it's back on the June 12th Singapore summit with the president and Kim Jong-un is on. The president literally just got out of the White House maybe 15 minutes ago. Remember, this is the first 
time in 18 years a North Korean high-ranking official has been in the United States. And they've been meeting in New York with Mike uh, Pompeo, the Secretary of State, now meeting in the White House with President Trump. President Trump went to the cameras. Here's some of what he had to say. We'll play a little of this, and then I'll give you the details. We'll be... uh meeting on june 12th in singapore went very well it's really a get to know you kind of a situation uh mike has spent two days uh doing this we've gotten to know their people very well and we will you people are going to have to travel because you'll be in singapore on june 12th uh, and i think it'll be a process it's not I, I never said it goes in one meeting i think it's going to be a process but the relationships are building, and that's a very positive thing. Mr. President, what's your sense of what the North Koreans are willing to do on the issue of denuclearization? Are they, well, are they I, want, I think they want to do that. I, don't, I know they want to do that. They want other things uh, along the line. They want to develop as a country. Uh, that's going to happen, I have no doubt. Uh, Japan is involved, as you know, and South Korea is very much involved. Uh, we're involved in terms of getting everything. Everybody wants the United States, so we're going to help in the process very much. Without us, it wouldn't happen. But I think that uh, you see a lot of very positive things, including with China. I think you see a lot of very positive things happening with President Xi, who has uh, helped me quite a bit with this. So we'll see where it leads. But we're going to be June 12th. We'll be in Singapore. Uh, it'll be a beginning. I don't say, and I've never said it happens in one meeting. You're talking about years of hostility, years of problems, years of really hatred between so many different nations. But I think uh, you're going to have a very positive result in the end. Not from one meeting. You appear to question their sincerity in your letter to Kim Jong-un last week. Have they gone far enough now? Well, that, don't that forget, you, my, my letter was a response to their letter. The media forgot that. You know, the media said, oh, you had a meeting, then you canceled. I didn't cancel the meeting. I canceled it in response to a very tough statement. Uh, and I think we're over that, totally over that. And now we're uh, going to deal and we're going to really start a process. We're meeting with the chairman on uh, June 12th. And I think it's probably going to be a very successful, ultimately a successful process. We'll see. Remember what I say. We will see what we will see. But I think it's going to be a process that we deserve to have. I mean, we really deserve. They, they want it. We think it's important, and I think we would be making a big mistake if we didn't have it. I think we're going to have a relationship, and it'll start on June 12th. What can you get done in one meeting? What can you get done on June 12th? Well, this was a very good meeting. Don't forget, this was a meeting uh, where a letter was given to me by Kim Jong-un, and that letter was... Uh, very nice letter. Oh, would you like to see what was in that letter? Yeah, would you us, like it? How much? How much? How much? It was a very interesting letter. And at some point, I may be, it may be appropriate. It may be, I'll be able to give it to you, maybe. You'll be able to see it. And maybe fairly soon. But uh, really, this was a letter presentation that ended up being a two-hour conversation. Why did it end up going so long? Because we found, we found the whole subject matter very interesting. And because I really think they want to do something, and if it's possible, so do we. What did he ask you? 
I think all we're going to do is be there on June 12th, and we're going to see what happens. Mike has been dealing very well. Uh, they have a very good relationship with Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State. Uh, it was actually very interesting because this was literally going to be the delivery of a letter, and it ended up being a two-hour conversation with uh, with the second most powerful man in North Korea. We talked about almost everything. We talked about a lot. And we talked about sanctions. Did they agree with the I don't want to say We talked about a lot of things. We really did. But the big the big deal will be on uh, on June 12th. And again, it's a process. It doesn't go. We're not going to sign it. We're not going to go in and sign something on June 12th. We never were. We're going to start a process. And I told them today, take your time. You can go fast. We can go slowly. But uh, I think they'd like to see something happen. And if we can work that out, that'd be good. But the process will begin on June 12th in Singapore. Do you believe Kim is committed to denuclearization? Yeah, I do think so. He'd like to see it happen. He just wants to be careful. He wants to be, uh, you know, he's not going to run and do things. But uh, I told him, to be honest with you, look, we have sanctions on. They're very powerful sanctions. Uh, we would not take sanctions off unless they do that. But the sanctions are very powerful. You've seen how powerful. In other ways, you're going to see how powerful sanctions are when it comes to Iran. You see what that's doing to Iran. So we have sanctions on. And uh, at a certain point, I'll tell you what, I look forward to the day when I can take the sanctions off of North Korea. Can you talk about human rights today? And do you expect to talk about it? We did not talk like, about human rights. Do you expect to talk about it on June 12th? Could be, yeah, could be. I, I think we probably will, and maybe in great detail. We did not talk about human rights. Did you talk about sanctions? Did they ask? Yeah, we did. We talked about it. Yes, they asked about sanctions. Excuse me? Maximum pressure over. It's, it's going to remain what it is now. I, I don't even want to use the term maximum pressure anymore because I don't want to use that term because we're getting along. You see the relationship. We're getting along. So it's not a question of maximum pressure. It's staying essentially the way it is. At some point, hopefully, a deal for the good of millions of people, a deal will be worked out. Mr. President, how would you describe the state of relations now between the United States here? Because it gets a, a little repetitive as it was literally happening just before we're coming on the air here. Um... You know, for all of the destroy Trump media, this was a breakup letter um, and all of their predictions that when the president was calling Kim Jong-un little rocket man when he was firing rockets over Japan and threatening Guam and the entire uh, region in the Korean Peninsula and and even threatening to, you know, nuke the United States, the continental United States and Hawaii on high alert, and all that had happened, well, what did the president do? He put sanctions in place. The president put, you know, neighbor, Navy striker forces right off the coast of North Korea. There was a strong show of our military strength, and even though he was openly mocking Kim Jong-un, uh, interestingly, look at where we are now. There's no more missiles being fired over Japan. Guam is not in jeopardy. The region is not in jeopardy. Japan is not in jeopardy. Now they have literally shut down one of their nuclear test sites. We know that they are willing to talk about denuclearization because, as you just heard the president say, what was supposed to be a, a hand-delivered letter ended up being a two-plus-hour meeting 
You can see that it went very well as the president and the secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, walked the delegation, the second highest ranking individual in North Korea, right to his car and stayed there. The pleasantries were obvious. It was on display. They were clearly getting along. And we have three hostages that have been now brought back safely to our country, fellow Americans. And so what are we giving up in the process? Nothing. And, you know, it's it's so funny that for whatever reason, there's still those on the left in this country that they think if you if you don't get on your hands and knees and kiss the ring or the ass of a dictator, that somehow you're going to cause a war. And in spite of every historical, modern-day historical lesson that is out there, there's still a belief that, that somehow we can bribe our way into making dictatorships and, and despots and, and mullahs in Iran like us if we just give them money. I mean, President Trump did not fly into North Korea, you know, plane loads, cargo planes full of cash and other currencies. He put sanctions in place. He showed military force. He mocked little rocket man. Everybody predicted the opposite would happen. And here we are. And as the president just said, the possibility that millions of people in the world will have a better life and that clearly Kim Jong-un got the message. Now, there's no guarantee that this is going to work out ultimately in the end. I would say the odds are a lot higher today than they were than they've ever been. You know, Bill Clinton is a good deal for the American people when Bill Clinton, in fact, you know, tried to bribe Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-un, with, with what, energy subsidies, billions of dollars. No, that didn't work out well because they have a nuclear program. They started their ballistic missile program. They were testing their ballistic missiles. They were saber-rattling around the entire world. You know, a little unknown fact and, and part of this equation that never gets brought up is that you know, if you go back and look at the relationship that the president has built with the president of China, China is playing a big role behind the scenes here. And China, you know, now the president, everyone's worried about trade wars, trade wars and and tariffs and the president slapping tariffs on Europe and and Canada and Mexico. I'm telling you how this is all going to end. It's going to end with a better trade deal for the United States. And the president is a constant negotiator. I think one of the other best things he just said there is that this is not going to we're not signing an agreement or a deal on June the 12th in Singapore. He reminded everybody this is going to now be a process. And he even said that he sent word back that it could be as fast or as slow as as you want this to be. We're ready to roll. Obviously, Japan, South Korea and China are going to be playing a role in, in all of this. And, you know, the fact that we've gotten as much as we have gotten, the fact that the president was willing to walk away from the deal. Remember, the day after he said no June 12th summit, immediately North Korea, wait, wait, well, sorry, we didn't mean that. It is the it is the very definition of peace through strength or trust and verify. It is the Reagan doctrine and it always works. Work for Churchill, work for Reagan. It's going to work for Donald Trump. And don't think that the Iranians in all of this are not paying very, very close attention because they know that these sanctions now have been slapped on them. 
and they know that their younger population is more savvy than than probably ever before, and, and they would like their chance at freedom. With only a kite, a house key, and wet hemp string, Benjamin Franklin captured lightning in a bottle. Over 260 years later, with a little resourcefulness, ingenuity, and grit, we're not only capturing energy from the sun and wind, we're storing it, ensuring Americans have the energy they need whenever they need it. Learn more about the nation's leader in energy storage at nexteraenergy.com. All right, as we roll along, happy Friday, Sean Hannity Show. We're going to spend an hour today with uh, Greg Jarrett and Sarah Carter. Why? Because there's a tremendous breaking news. I'll get into this in the uh, bottom of the next hour. Look, the president announces the June 12th summit is on. There is every indication. In spite, look, the president's already won in t- huge concessions. American hostages are back. Missiles aren't being fired. One nuclear launch site has been, you know, literally shut down. And they're inviting the Western world to see it in North Korea. And so we're making a, a tremendous progress. Haven't given up nothing the president, all right, you, they, they got a little cute with their language. The president says, I'm out. No, please, wait. And now, after a week of meetings in New York, second highest ranking official, uh, powerful man in, in North Korea, meeting with Mike Pompeo, now with the president for two hours today, it's huge. It's by, and it's good for the world. You know what that means for Democrats? That's bad news for Democrats. Because the president does well on foreign policy, they predicted he'd start World War III. They were freaked out that he called Kim Jong-un little rocket man. They couldn't handle it because he wasn't kissing his ass and kissing his ring and, and sending over cargo planes full of cash, which is their predictable way of dealing with dictators. And now we've got a shot at peace in the Korean Peninsula. It's an amazing development. Now, on top of that, we had amazing news today on the economy. Let's see. Job creation beat expectations. Oh, and the president tweeted, I can't wait for the job numbers today. He may have broken the law. He may, we, he can't, it broke protocol. He didn't give out what the numbers were. He said, I can't wait for them. He didn't give any indication he knew. And that's how uptight, frankly, oh man, the, the, the left is. For them, for Donald Trump to succeed, I'll give you these economic numbers when we get back. That means political death for them. Because after eight years of Obama, he's fixing the economy. And he's showing that his tough stance on foreign policy leads to greater peace. By the way, the president now uh, announcing the June 12th summit back on. We've got other stuff on the deep state we're going to break as well today. Busy news day. Stay with us. All right, as we uh, kick off our Friday, glad you're with us. Such a busy uh, breaking news day. We've got the president meeting with the second most powerful man in North Korea today and a hand-delivered message from little rocket man Kim Jong-un. The June 12th Singapore summit is on. Now, other news we have on the deep state we'll get to in a second. And we have the IG report that we expect now is coming out next week. So much happening. So much. Now, what is interesting beyond the IG report, just to give you one little preview of coming attractions. Remember, the IG... Inspector General Michael Horowitz doesn't have the power to, you know, convene a grand jury, but there will be criminal referrals. Remember, he, he released the report on Andrew McCabe and Andrew McCabe lying. 
And that also then became a criminal referral. Well, I would suspect, and I do suspect, and I do believe, and I'm kind of pretty confident that that's going to happen as a result of his report, which comes out next week. I want to go back to some other news. I mean, this is huge on North Korea. It's massive news. And and just because everybody's been so wrong. But on top of that, you just you got to look at these numbers and they are staggering. You know, if you think back in the 2016 election, what was I talking about every single solitary day? And if you've been with me that long, you know, you probably can recite them. You know, under Barack Obama, eight years as our president, we added 13 million more Americans to the food stamp rolls. Eight million more Americans ended up in poverty. The lowest labor participation rate since the 1970s, the lowest home ownership rate since the 19, what, 51 years, let's put it that way. We know that it was the worst recovery since the 40s. We know that Obama, who said $9 trillion in debt is irresponsible and unpatriotic. The way Bush has done it over the last eight years is to take out a credit card from the Bank of China Mm -hmm. in the name of our children, driving up our national debt so that we now have... Over nine yeah. trillion dollars of twenty debt trillion dollars. That we in are going to have to pay back. Pay it's back. irresponsible. Irresponsible. It's unpatriotic. Unpatriotic. Well, that was him because he took on more debt than every other president before him combined. That's the legacy of Barack Obama. Now, I any time in our history, it's just it's so counterintuitive to what the left believes. Like the left believes, unless you're kissing the ass of a dictator and kissing their ring and giving them money, bribing them, then they're never going to like you. If we're only a little nicer to them, they'll be nicer to us. That philosophy fails every single time. You know, we've played comparisons of Neville Chamberlain and, and Winston Churchill. The settlement of the Czechoslovakian problem. Yeah, we won't play it now. We played comparisons of Jimmy Carter versus Ronald Reagan and peace through strength and Clinton and Obama versus now Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan. There's there's so, it is so crystal clear. It's the same on the economy. Larry Kudlow probably wrote the defining book about how the Kennedy tax cuts. Yeah, John F. Kennedy, Democrat, cut taxes, talked about the stifling you know, bureaucracy and, and, and high regulations and ta- overregulation and taxation and the impact it has, the negative impact on, on business formation and opportunity for people in this country. You know, you got this president, you know, he's negotiating with every car company individually, and he's negotiating with every, even air-conditioned companies, and he's pressuring them, don't go to Mexico, and we're going to make the economic environment better, and we're going to end needless regulation, and then we're going to, end burdensome you know regulation and then we're going to end high taxation and we're going to incentivize you to build your factories here and we have all these people that have been out of work in poverty on food stamps that are dying for opportunities rather than you taking the jobs to to mexico or some other place and it works you know and the president's saying all right for all you companies that multinationals out there that have been parking your money in safe havens tax safe havens well, you bring your money back at a low rate. Well, that means they're not going to put it in a bank somewhere. They're going to invest it. They'll create co- corporations. Oh, I'm sorry. Shell corporations, according to everybody that reports on any LLC, which is ridiculous. Well, those companies hire people. 
Those companies build buildings and manufacturing centers and factories and the forgotten men and women, which the 2016 election was all about. They, they now have their shot at the American dream. Don't they deserve their shot? If they want to send their kids to a better school, they, they have the ability, the financial ability to do so. You know, most people, their wants, their desires, their needs are pretty simple. I think we're all the same in this regard. We want a nice house in a safe neighborhood, um, you know, with good schools. And if we don't have good schools, we want the opportunity to send our kid to a good school, maybe a private school. You know, we, we want to be able to take a vacation at least once when your kids are young. You, you want to take that dumb, horrible vacation to Disney. But, you know, you got to do it because every kid wants to go to Disney. And you want to be able to be, go out to dinner and not say, I can't afford a cheeseburger. You know, maybe just once a week, once a month, once every two months. You, you don't want to say, I can't afford it. And we, we ought to be able to deliver that and more for people. This is the United States of America. This is supposed to be the land of milk and honey and opportunity. Well, it's now happening because as it worked for Kennedy and as it worked for Reagan, it's now working now. Job creation for the month of May, we added 223,000 new jobs. Unemployment rate fell to 3.8%. We have not seen a rate this low since 1969. That's the year the New York Mets won the World Series. I can tell you the whole lineup if you're interested. Jerry Grody was the catcher. They're the best pitching staff. Jerry Kuzman, Tom Seaver, Ray Sadecki, Tim McGraw, or Tug McGraw, Tim McGraw's father, was in the bullpen. Ed Cranepool, Wayne Garrett, Bud Harrelson, I mean, Cleon Jones and uh, uh, Tommy Agee and I just Ron Swoboda. Yeah, that's how far my mind goes back. African-American unemployment decreased now from 6.6%, which is already a record low, to only 5.9%. It is the first time African-American unemployment has ever been recorded under 6% in our history. Thank God. How great is that? These are amazing numbers. This is this is, you know, for all the talk by the left, how many times have I said this over the years? Liberals in this country, they, they claim a monopoly of compassion for the poor, for minorities, for women, etc. Every four years, every two years, that race card is pulled out. I've, I've played it enough. You know, Al Gore, Republicans, you know, goes before a predominantly black audience, changes his voice, cadence, tone. Republicans don't want to count you in the census. Just lying. You know, the James Byrd ad in 2000. And I could trace the history of it. I've done it. If you like Republicans, crosses are going to burn. A 98 ad by the Democratic Party of Missouri. Look at this. Yeah, it's a Republican president that is now creating record low after record low as it relates to unemployment for African-Americans, the first time African-American unemployment has ever been recorded under 6%. Consumer confidence continues to climb, a 17-year high. 67% of Americans now believe it is a good time to find a job. They're right. 25%, up 25% since Donald Trump was elected. And all these swamp creatures and sewer creatures thought you, the American people, we were stupid in picking Donald Trump. And we shocked the world. 
because here's a guy, he doesn't play by these idiotic, ridiculous, politically calculating, you know, one party resembles another party rules. And he's rolled up his sleeves and he goes from issue to issue to issue to issue to issue to promise to promise to promise. And he checks them off his list, including the largest tax cuts in history. Tried like hell to get rid of Obamacare, repeal and replace. You can blame Republicans and the Republican Party for that. But even still got rid of the individual mandate. That's partly there. We expect a new plan again introduced. President's fighting like hell to build the border wall. We are now on a path. We're producing more energy, more barrels of oil than we've ever produced in our history. We now have literally the opportunity with all the opening of the Dakota pipeline, all these other pipelines. Uh, we now have an opening to drill in Anwar, the, the 48 states off the coast of the Atlantic coast, Pacific coast, Gulf coast. But well, also means high paying career jobs for Americans. And if we add fracking to that and the president saving the coal industry, well, we're doing amazingly well for so many people that are are either in the industry or want to be in the industry. Remember when we partnered, drill here, drill now, pay less. And we partnered on this program with some of the energy companies in North Dakota. And what did we do? We, we People were able to transform their lives. Why do you think OPEC, you know, conspired, I think, to artificially drive down prices because they know we have more natural gas, more energy resources than they do. And when the new Saudi prince, the crown prince, was doing his, you know, okay, we're going to be different tour in America, went on 60 Minutes, et cetera, you notice that he's saying, yeah, we're trying to transfer quickly out of an energy-only economy because we see it's coming to an end. I mean, this is an incredible story. I mean, unemployment now has at 3.8% that even Trump haters, you know, at CNN are swooning. And at the New York Times, they can't believe it's all happened. And I'm not, I, I'm not making any of this up. They, they literally have to acknowledge that which they have been saying has been wrong. New York Times literally admitting the economy is so good it defies description. Quote, we ran out of words to describe how good the job numbers are. The economy is in a sweet spot. With steady growth, broad improvement in the labor market. The senior New York Times economic economics correspondent. Uh, they did not want to write that. They've been they have been part of the overall corrupt destroy Trump media to bring him down. CNN has a headline up. Unemployment rate matches the lowest point in a half century. Oh. I mean, why don't they just put in Trump was right? Guys like Hannity were right. And uh, all you never-Trumpers, all you haters in the media were wrong. You didn't think he could win? We did. You didn't think that he would deliver on his promises? He's delivering. You know, it's funny. Not only, you know, look at the African-American unemployment rate. I mean, it's now at a record low. And, uh, you know, I, I would think that maybe people that maybe convinced themselves that conservatives... You know, they believe this lie that is told, this false narrative that is told every four years. Maybe they'll look at it and say, you know, hmm, this is good for the country. Maybe the Democrats have lied to us all these years. 
How many times have Democrats gone to the black community in election years and you never see them again until the next election? And they get nothing done. You know, the president has brought African-American unemployment from 78 to 5.9 percent. First time ever under 6 percent. Unemployment benefits fell more than expected as well. That's more good news. Look at the jobs created beyond expectations. You know, it's um, this month's unemployment numbers being called incredible. Great. We ran out of words, the New York Times, to describe how good the jobs numbers are. The economy was in overdrive in May. CNBC says it's on fire. And, you know, it just it, you, what, what, you can't even lie and say it's bad anymore. Consumer confidence, 17 year high historically strong levels of consumer confidence and the increase in consumer spending is is also now setting you know new new bars of success you know 48 percent of small business feel good about their local economies that's tying the highest level in the history of that index metlife u.s chamber of commerce small business index at another record high in may driven by confidence in local economies 62% of small business owners expect higher revenues one year from now, and owners remain optimistic. And I can go on. I can go on. You know, it's an amazing thing, and we ought to be very happy about it, but it's bad news for the Democrats. All of this is bad news. Because as the economy is successful, you know, if if everything now continues to to move, oil input— I'm sorry, oil output now jumped to a record high. It's amazing. All right, we're going to get to that. Now, um, we have two massive stories, one from Sarah Carter, one from John Solomon, and analysis with Greg Jarrett. We're going to do an hour on this because there's so much news. I'll break that coming up. A full coverage of what happened. The June 12th summit is on. The great economic news tonight. We'll also be talking about, wow, how the deep state is now being exposed and the house of cards is falling in and so much more. Wow, what a news day. Incredible. I mean... This is uh, history in the making. The June 12th summit is on. President, very clear, though, they're not going to sign an agreement in Singapore on June the 12th. And it probably will take a number of meetings to get there. But, yes, denuclearization is the top priority. And apparently the North Koreans want it. Massive economic growth. And we have two big, huge breaking news stories on the deep state that is now crumbling in the House of Cards falling. Sarah Carter, Greg Jarrett, next. Uh, there's another narrative, uh, which is the one I'm interested in. It's been reported in The Guardian and, and in The Observer here uh, in the United States that, in fact, the, 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 your interest in this and the, the real roots of this counterintelligence operation or investigation began earlier than that with signal intelligence that was brought to the United States by some of our allies, uh, particularly Great Britain, but others in Western Europe. Can you, can you tell me which one of those narratives is right? <laughs> well, I uh, continuously shake my head at how much fabrication is going on. People make things up out of whole cloth. Uh, The one report you're referring to uh, says that Robert Hannigan, the head of GCHQ, which is uh, Great Britain's NSA equivalent, came over and delivered information to me uh, that involved the the Trump campaign. No such uh, uh, visit or meeting took place. Uh, I didn't put eyes on the the Steele dossier until December of 2016.
2016, after the election. Right. But yet people claim that I was the one that was uh, sharing it around town and briefing it. Uh, that is not true. And so I think what it shows that Mr. Trump, with his continued emphasis on lying and fabrication and untruths, falsehoods, it just feeds this and it encourages others to do it. Right. And this is what I think is really so corrosive <laughs> on our country and our government today. Well, my response to you was related to that one specific story. Uh, CIA, during the course of 2016, worked very closely with our domestic partners and if there were opportunities to work uh, with uh, foreign partners to try to understand what Russia was doing, not what U.S. persons or U.S. Uh, officials were doing, but what the Russians were doing to try to undermine us. And uh, I shared information with Jim Comey and with the White House, as well as with the folks on the Hill, to make sure that there was a complete awareness of the things that we knew uh, in terms of what Russia was doing. So, uh, but again, I, I keep reading stories that are um, fiction, uh, and that's what they should be uh, titled. No, I think the, uh, Mr. Trump has demonstrated uh, a paranoia and insecurity, as well as a real concern about the investigation that is underway. Certainly his tweets uh, do not uh, seem like they're coming from a person of, of innocence and confidence. Uh, I don't believe that uh, our speaking out uh, feeds that narrative among those who understand that the Department of Justice and the FBI and the CIA are the institutions that the American people rely on to protect our freedom and our liberties. Uh, Mr. Trump is going to promote his narrative. He certainly is going to continue to try to discredit uh, the FBI and the CIA and others. But uh, I think, make no mistake about it, the American justice system, I think, is going to prevail uh, in this uh, endeavor to get to the bottom of who might have been collaborating and working with uh, foreign actors to try to undermine the integrity of the election. There was concern uh, on the part of the president himself because of the allegations of, of rigging, which the uh, candidate Trump was then espousing, uh, that uh, anything that the president did would be viewed as political, and he would be putting his hand on the scale and favor one candidate to the disfavor of the other. So uh, I think Ben's uh, exactly right, and, and my book uh, comports with uh, his account. Yeah, he says, but not for Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, perhaps there would have been more said. Did Mitch McConnell stand in the way? Well, the Republicans in general uh, did. We encountered reluctance on their part to enter into a, a very aggressive statement about the Russian. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity show here on a Friday, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free number. You want to be a part of the program. All right, so that's John Brennan. I didn't put eyes on the Steele dossier until December of 2016. Okay, then who did? Because a lot of people did put eyes on it because it was used as the bulk of information for a FISA warrant. I don't believe a word that comes out of Brennan's mouth. Brennan has been caught lying as Clapper has been caught lying. And then Brennan saying in 2016, the CIA working with foreign and domestic partners to study Russian undermining of elections, not Americans sharing info with quote. Why didn't they then therefore at that moment in the spring of 2016 bring in the Trump campaign and say this guy loosely associated with you, we've got an eye on because it was ne they because they used it like everything else as an opportunity to undermine Trump and Brennan saying Trump has shown paranoia insecurity. You know this is classic spy speak. 
This is classic diversion. It's 101. I read a book many years ago, a synthesis of Russian mind control techniques. And Clapper, you know, saying Republicans stood in the way of efforts to warn the U.S. And then on The View bragging, oh, yeah, you should be happy we had spies in the in the campaign. All right, uh, we have that. And, of course, I mentioned in the last hour, Sarah Carter's breaking uh, story, which is out today. And uh, she joins us, investigative reporter and Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, upcoming book, The Russian Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton and Frame Donald Trump. Uh, Sarah, how are you? Let's start with your story today. I'll let you sum it up in your own words. But um, this is pretty uh, blockbuster as everything else you've broken. Oh, well, thank you so much, Sean. I'm I, I'm actually thinking about what you just said about uh, John Brennan, and what comes to mind is admit nothing, deny everything, and make counter-accusations, which is, you know, what he was trained to do, and, uh, and that's what he continues to do as an operator. You would just never think it would be against uh, the actual legalities of the United States and the malfeasance that probably occurred and allegedly occurred within his organization, as well as the, uh, you know, probably the DNI and the FBI. So this is why they're fighting so hard tooth and nail to get this thing buried and to move on or to make people who are investigating to minimize them. And uh, we saw that with Clapper's statement, that, but the more they talked, the less people apt are to believe them. And so what the story that I was focused on is putting together this timeline of events and talking to people within the intelligence community, former and current, as well as people within law enforcement, is to the extent of spying that occurred. You know, we're so focused on what just happened in the United States, which is which is extreme and extraordinary in a sense. We've never seen this in history. But what was happening overseas? I mean, the bulk of this information that they say they gathered on the uh, Trump advisors, George Papadopoulos, Carter Page, uh, look at Sam Clovis, um, other people that they were looking at uh, at the time, was all overseas, a lot of this. A lot of this occurred in England. A lot of information was being shared as early as 2015. So we know that, you know, MI6 or GCHQ, which is like the United States NSA, is collecting data and information on people consistently that are overseas. And that means Americans. I mean, they have the full authority to spy on Americans. My question is, what were they sharing and how were they cooperating with the United States on this investigation? Because it is a counterintelligence investigation. And if it is a counterintelligence investigation with, with this much sensitivity, because they were looking at the Trump campaign, that means Brennan absolutely knew about it and what was going on. So he Brennan lying again, we've known he's lied before. Absolutely. I have spoken to people who have sat on principal committee hearings with the NSC um, National Security Council. This is definitely something that would be in the purview of the CIA because they're dealing with overseas information. If, the, if GCHQ, if other entities, people in Poland and other parts, Hungary, are sharing information about particular members of the United States uh, political apparatus, if one of the five eyes, which those are our partners out there, you know, Great Britain, Australia, New Zealand, if they're sharing information with us, they're sharing it with our intelligence. They are sharing it with the people that are running those operations. Who would those people be? James Clapper, Brennan. The questions we have to be asking ourselves and the questions that aren't being answered, Sean, 
is did they ask for this investigation? Were they asking for information on particular Russians that they already knew would be connected or particular people that they already knew would be connected with members of the Trump campaign or for some reason be you see, when you put you see, with them? When you put all this timeline issue together and, and coupled with uh, John Solomon's, you know, release of this struck page text about that this was being run through the White House other than Liz. I'll quote it. This is August 5th, 2016. Other than Liz, the White House, that would be the Obama White House, is running all of this. And, you know, we've you know, uh, that to me is staggering because you've got FBI. You, you got people with in the highest ranks of the FBI, the attorney for Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, that is in the forefront of all of this. They're the ones. Let me bring Ger- Greg Jarrett in that would know. Oh, absolutely. Um, and John Brennan has almost no credibility. I, I laugh every time I see him on the air now because as he spews his hatred toward Donald Trump, he's he's simply exposing his own motivation uh, for being the instigator of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Uh, he, a senior aide to the House Intelligence Committee who deeply examined what Brennan did involving the dossier said, and I'll quote, John Brennan did more than anyone to promulgate the dossier. He politicized and effectively weaponized what was false intelligence against Trump. That you know, is you, backed but, but, and up you by need a great to, many other people. You know, What's the that? great challenge in a story like this that is so multifaceted because there's so many different angles, the the Clinton crimes, the, the Clinton exoneration, no investigation, rigged investigation, rigged exoneration. Uh, then, of course, you've got all of the FBI corruption propping up one candidate, not another candidate, FISA abuse, lying to FISA court judges, the dossier being used as the bulk of application. So the, the, the challenge, at least from my point of view and our point of view, as a legal analyst, Greg, as an investigative reporter, Sarah, me as a talk show host, which encompasses pretty much all the above to the extent that it's possible, you know, is reminding people of this. And and it's you brought it back up to me last week or the week before, and I've been saying it ever since. We had discussed it many months ago and that the interrogatories in Great Britain, Christopher Steele himself said it was raw intelligence, maybe 50, 50 percent chance of being true. Yeah, I mean, and he was forced to admit the truth under penalty of perjury. And his admission was, you know, my dossier ain't worth the paper it's written on. It's sort of a 50-50, oh, gee, it's only raw intelligence. Think about this. I mean, this is the guy who came up with a phony document that was used as the pretext by the FBI to investigate a presidential candidate that then morphed into an all-encompassing, you know, special counsel probe that has dogged the president of the United States. And at its core, it was a piece of fiction. Mm-hmm. That, that is... At its core, it was disinformation, possibly spewed out by FSB agents working for the Russian government in order to sow chaos in the United States. It's really a frightening time for the country. It really is. All right, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break. We have plenty of time today. We are going to keep Greg and Sarah for the full hour because there's so much breaking news on all of this. So uh, we, we promise we'll get it all in. 
All right, as we continue, Sarah Carter out with a breaking news column today and John Solomon. All, we'll lay all of this out on Hannity tonight, but we want to, the great thing about radio is we have a little bit more time here. I want to go through this timeline issue and why this timeline is so imperative. Uh, Sarah, you, you go into great detail here about the timeline. Yes. Well, I started in late 2015 because what we know now is that according to sources that I've spoken with, as well as it is being reported now in England, that it appears that the British, uh, specifically GCHQ, which collects that raw intelligence, those communications, uh, was already looking, apparently, at people connected to the campaign or people who would be connected to the campaign. And this is really, really important because we have to ask ourselves, who and how did this all begin? When they were collecting that intelligence, was that just on their own? Were they being asked by the U.S. to collect this intelligence? We also know that not only... GCHQ, which was in England, was collecting intelligence, raw intelligence, but that other nations were collecting that intelligence. And it's not just Australia, Canada, and New Zealand, which are part of the Five Eyes, but it was other groups that were collecting the intelligence. Uh, The Guardian reported that Estonia was one of the countries collecting intelligence. Poland was collecting intelligence. And even Germany was collecting intelligence. And then all of a sudden, I had one of those light bulb moments. And I was thinking about this. They're collecting intelligence. And we know that there's nothing private anymore, that everything you write, that every phone call you make, that everything you do can be collected by someone or something. It doesn't have to be the United States. It could be somebody overseas. But then what happens to that intelligence? when it's part of an opposition party. So they collect intelligence, and what I mean is, here the Obama administration, you know, very much behind everybody's believing Hillary Clinton's going to win. We know what's happening at the time. They're trying to shut down this Hillary Clinton investigation. All of a sudden, they're gathering intelligence on the opposition, or they have access to this intelligence, which actually should be very well guarded and protected. And by the way, the CIA should in no way no way be involved in any kind of U.S. politics or U.S. investigations. They are their purview is outside the United States, and that's by law. Yeah, all right, we'll we stay there. I want to. I want to get Greg's take on the timeline when we get back. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue on the other side of this half hour. We may put a few calls up. You know, we have Greg and Sarah on a lot, and if you have any calls, comments, questions, we'll try and squeeze in a couple of calls. Uh, on this Friday edition, Sean Hannity Show, write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Top of the next hour, Joe Concha. What do we do about all these crazy comments, you know, by the left, and they all keep their jobs? If you're conservative, you're gone. No apologies, no forgiveness, no oopsie-daisies. Uh, it's a double standard that we've been pointing out all week. So we'll get to that. Quick break. Right back. Hannity, we have an amazing show tonight at 9 on the Fox News Channel. Big breakthrough, obviously, with North Korea also straight ahead. All right, 25 till the top of the hour on this Friday. Uh, we have North Korea news. We'll get to that. We have corrupt media bias news, double standard in the media news. Of course, the uh, absolute hatred and vile comments on the left Seem to never have any repercussions. Uh, We'll get to all of that and uh, much more. But first, you know, we continue our study of Spygate, the deep state, and what is now the single biggest corruption, abuse of power scandal in American history. There's no ambiguity anymore. It's not an issue in question. It's an issue of how it's going to be resolved. We're expecting the IG report to come out sometime next week. We'll get to that in a second. 
Uh, as we were going to break, we continue with Sarah Carter, investigative reporter, Fox News contributor, Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, and his book is out in July. You can go to Hannity.com and get it now and pre-order it so you're the first to get it. It's called The Russian Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton and Frame Donald Trump, which pretty much sums up exactly what this abuse of power is all about. And not only do they want to frame Donald Trump, they would like to remove him from office. Um, anyway, let's go to the important timeline. Both Sarah, John, and, and their breaking news articles today, Greg, and we've been putting it together. But now the interesting part is these new text messages released put it right up into the upper echelon of the Obama administration. It's now, to me, it's it's a question I've asked before, but I think now has the greatest amount of urgency and legitimacy, which is what did they know and when did they know it? And I mean Obama, and I mean Valerie Jarrett, and I mean uh, Samantha Powers and Ben Rhodes and Susan Rice and a lot of others and Clapper and well, Brennan. The, the, the sequence of events goes like this. Steal the ex-MI6 British spy, and, and by the way, he's not really ex because you're never ex. Uh, he's still involved with British intelligence. He comes up with this fictitious dossier, June 20th, contacts immediately the FBI. They travel to London, meet with him. Three weeks later, they open officially the Trump-Russia investigation. Five days later, Peter Strzok, counterintelligence chief at the FBI, sends a text to his girlfriend, the White House is running this. And that means Barack Obama, because he's being briefed all along, nearly every day, by John Brennan the CIA chief, who is, as I mentioned earlier, the chief instigator of all of this, peddling the fictitious dossier. But I think Sarah is right that we will find out in the months to come that this actually began before the dossier, that foreign agents, British agents, together with the intelligence agencies of the United States, uh, were spying on the Trump campaign and that they were setting him up. They were the ones in their confidential informants who were feeding information, false information, by the way, to people like Papadopoulos, Sam Clovis, uh, and Carter Page, and then trying to entrap them with that same false information. Uh, it's a hideous, obscene plot, but that is likely what will be of eventually revealed. You know, and then again, and it's, it's, it's sort of almost now becoming overwhelming and incontrovertible. Uh, let me look ahead a little bit to next week. And I was a little pissed off when I heard that they might release the IG report as late as Friday of next week. Now, that is going into a weekend. And then that's also rubbing up right against the president uh, and his trip to Singapore which makes me think that, okay, they're trying to bury the IG report. Uh, but now I'm hearing it may come out as early as Tuesday of next week, Sarah. Yeah, we're hearing two different stories here. We know, uh, and I heard just I was contacting people about the IG report because it is very important. It's a 400-page. Remember, I had reported several weeks ago that it was a very long and thorough report. I mean, that's the most detail I was able to get on that IG report other than what had already been reported out there about Uma Abedin and her emails. But now we're actually hearing that there is a hearing, that the hearing had been postponed from the 5th, which was next week, by the Senate Judiciary Committee to the 11th. 
So the hearing has now been postponed with the Senate Judiciary, uh, with uh, Michael Horowitz, the Inspector General, to the 11th. So it seems more than likely that the IG report will not come out until at least the end of next week or right before that. Okay, before the end of next week, if you had to predict, because what I'm hearing is there's as many as 28 FBI agents and other people involved, investigators, that are willing, if if they are, in fact, subpoenaed by Congress, they can't talk otherwise, legally, but if Congress brings them in, and apparently Congress has now identified many of who these people are, and they're chomping at the bit to confirm, yeah, the fix was in, Hillary Clinton committed felonies, it was taken out of the hands of the of of special agents, um, boots on the ground, if you will, rank and file, if you will, um, and field offices around the country, and they took it and put it in a special category, and they are aghast at the at the at the at the at the handling of this by the upper echelon, and how we don't have equal justice under the law, and how if they did anything remotely close to what. Comey, Clapper, McCabe, and and the rest of them may be involved in, or struck in page at least, then they know they would be fired, and they want to tell the truth. They yeah, absolutely you, do want to tell the truth. You know, for, for my book, I interviewed a half a dozen top former officials of the FBI. They all reached the same conclusion, uh, that high-ranking officials at the Bureau put the fix in at the behest of the Obama administration. And they were aghast, and they're still angry to this day, at the damage that James Comey, Loretta Lynch, and Barack Obama has done to the integrity and reputation of the FBI. They're absolutely convinced, all of them, that they fixed it for Hillary to be exonerated and Can then you imagine on the unfairly heels of the, targeted Trump. And the IG report, the IG you know, he he doesn't have the ability himself to subpoena a grand jury. Now, we saw in the case of Andrew McCabe, the IG report comes out and there's a criminal referral. And now, apparently, earlier this week, Comey is throwing McCabe down the stairs and you've got now a circular firing squad emerging amongst the deep state actors, which is going to be interesting to watch. Um, so, yeah. go ahead. The, the, the problem with the IG is that he has no ability to force people who have left the government service um, to speak. People like Comey and, and McCabe and, you know, Baker and Rubicki and the whole gang, Lisa Page. Um, he's got to rely on obtaining documents and public records and speaking to others who spoke to them. That's the flaw with the inspector general. Having said that, I am optimistic that he has uncovered some of this, you know, odious scheme. And we'll wait and see when the report so, comes out. And now that that basically now lays out a lot in terms of people's expectations. Other things I'm hearing. Uh, so let me go back to you, Sarah. Do you think it's Tuesday or do you think it's Thursday or Friday? I think it's going to be later in the week. I, I don't think they're going to release it uh, that soon. Um, I think there was a reason. So, for so they literally are going to do a weekend dump of an IG report that has gone on nearly 18 months, and they're going to dump it on the eve of the president's trip to perhaps a, the biggest summit in his presidency with Kim Jong-un. That's what they're going to do? That's what I suspect. Now, the IG it sounds like they want to bury it. Well, and that's exactly what I think they're hoping. Uh, they can't bury this. So this is just too big. So regardless of if they release it on Tuesday, regardless if they release it on Friday, it's still going to have enough steam. It is going to take a little bit of the wind out of the sails, you know, but it's still going to have enough steam because this is a 
huge report that journalists all across the country are waiting to see. They want to know the extent of Comey's involvement particularly. And, of course, McCabe, Peter Strzok, James Baker, Rabicki, you named them all, Lisa Page. And remember, Peter Strzok is still employed by the FBI. And he was interviewed, according to all of the sources that I spoke with, by the IG, as well as Comey, as well as many others. Uh, So there is going to be a lot of information in that report and a lot of questions that we hope will be answered with regard to the Hillary Clinton investigation. Unfortunately, though, it it was moved up, um, and, and that's something that now we have to wait for. Okay, now let's go what we think we expect in the IG report. Um, I expect James Comey is going to get hit hard. Uh, I would suspect that we're going to see a lot of Bruce Orr and Nellie Orr's name in there. Struck and Page obviously are going to be in there. Are we going to get all of the Struck Page uh, text messages now, many which have not come out? I think that's a good possibility that, that many of them that have been withheld for so long, notwithstanding Congress's demands, may actually be revealed. But I think the important ones so far we do know about, uh, that, that this is a guy who is heading up both investigations for the FBI and harbored a deep-seated hatred for Trump and an adoration for Hillary Clinton. That by itself smacks of insidious corruption. Sarah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I agree. I don't think all of the um, struck and uh, page text messages, though, will be uh, redacted uh, or be unredacted. Uh, So I think that what's going to happen here is there's a number of them that are considered classified. Uh, I think that Congress will and has been able to view them behind closed doors. There's still more that they need to view. There's more documentation than just these text messages, although they're very, very important. I think what we're going to see here and what we're seeing right now, just like you said, Sean, is this battle being waged between these players. There's a struggle. There's a a ship that is sinking, and these rats are climbing on top of each other and throwing each other into the water. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the upcoming days. And I actually believe that once this report comes out, there will be criminal referrals like we saw with McCabe. I'm not certain of what those will be or who those will focus on. Um, if you had to guess, we're pretty, you're, you're as close to this as anybody. Who would you say should be very worried or concerned about it? I would say James Comey should be very worried. Um, I know that that's... Can I just say one thing? Before he went out on his book tour and wrote his book and his I Am Great, I Am So Much Superior to Everybody Else tour, I did warn him. And I don't know who, well, we now know who his three attorneys are, the three people that he leaked the FBI information government documents to. How interesting. He chose all three of them to be his attorney. Then he would then have attorney-client privilege, and apparently I'm the only one in America that doesn't have it, Um, just to make a point. I mean, yeah, (laughs) go ahead, Greg. Yeah, you know, um, if I were to make a guess, um, I would think, just based on the law and the facts, that Comey should have a criminal referral leveled against him. Um, And I, you know, I make a powerful argument for that uh, in my book. I mean, Comey is a guy who stole government documents he had no right to do. Uh, He leaked some of those documents uh, to third parties. uh, And according to Chairman Grassley of the Judiciary Committee, 
at least one of those documents uh, was classified. This, this is yeah. exactly I mean, what Hillary Clinton did. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I would expect a criminal referral on that basis alone. Greg Jarrett and Sarah Carter with us. All right, I promised a couple of calls here. Let's start with uh, Carrie in Orlando. Carrie, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Say hi to Sarah Carter, Greg Jarrett, and your question. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, thought about Jeff Sessions. It, it makes no sense the way he's acting or that he instantly recused himself. So I want to know what your thought is. Is it possible they have something on him, they're blackmailing him, that that's how they've tied him up? Anybody want to venture a guess? So you're asking, do you think that you're wondering if the AG is compromised? Anybody wait, want to weigh in on that? Greg? Well, I, my, my impression is that he's simply not very smart and not very skilled. And he was snookered by career officials uh, on the first day that he became attorney general, and they convinced him uh, to recuse himself by using the wrong regulation that calls for recusal in criminal investigations and prosecutions. This was neither one. This was a counterintelligence pro. That, that Sessions didn't know the difference speaks to his competency, uh, which is not very high. Sarah? That's something that I heard. Yeah, that's something that I've been uh, looking into as well, uh, or even over the past year. And I've heard from a number of sources, uh, even in the DOJ, that he accepted advice from somebody who uh, basically led him down the wrong road uh, and that he recused himself. But look, there's no excuse here. You're the Attorney General of the United States of America. You are the Attorney General. This is the most important job in the country, by far. I mean, one of the most important positions. And he's basically been recused of everything. It, it appears that we don't see a lot of him. And and your question is one that everyone is asking. Believe me, even here in Washington, even people who know the same information that Greg and I know are asking the same thing. I'm going to let it go here. Thanks for an informative hour. We'll have more. Uh, both will join us tonight. Two big breaking news stories, one from Sarah, one from John Solomon. Great analysis. We'll also have David Limbaugh, Greg Jarrett will join us, and much, much more. That's 9 Eastern tonight. When we come back, the media and the double standard which is, if you're a conservative, you're fired. If you're a liberal, oh, it's okay. We'll explain that. We'll get to your calls much more. 800-941-SEAN on this Friday edition, Sean Hannity Show. All right, News Roundup information overload on a Friday. Toll-free telephone number, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Well, what a week we have in terms of, okay, double standard in the media. I mean, we'll just start with ABC. I mean, there you got Keith Olbermann, you know, the single most vile texting against the president, against the first daughter that I've ever seen in my life. He gets hired by Bob Iger. Let's see. Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, that's right. He dressed in blackface. And we showed you this week what he did with Carl Malone. I mean, just absolutely disgraceful on top of him walking around with cucumbers in his pockets and telling young 18-year-old girls, uh, oh, just feel around my private parts. Tell me what you think is in there. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. He works every night for ABC. And then on top of that, and Alec Baldwin, father of the year, he works for ABC. And, of course, over a conspiracy theory TV, MSNBC, they're, they're doing an entire hour on the issue of race. And right there on the panel is the Reverend Al Sharpton. Okay, tell me how that makes sense. And Roseanne Barr, we know what she said was wrong. She 
rightly, rightly apologized profusely and repeatedly, and she got fired. Okay, I don't call for firings. I don't call for boycotts because it's always thrown in conservatives' faces. And uh, and I don't even know if Roseanne was really ever a conservative. I, I kind of felt she was more libertarian, left, middle, maybe maybe more nationalist. I don't know. Um, but with that said, that all went down. And then you have Samantha B. And just to give you a quick history lesson on the vitriol of the left, we have a, a montage we put together. And then Samantha B's comments. And she's working there over at Turner Broadcasting, the home of fake news CNN. And her show continues after using the C word against the first daughter. Let's play it. It's a, it is a weird tension. I think we're at a dangerous time for the First Amendment and for the free press in this country. And at the same time, we're oddly influential with a guy who wants to kill us. And to our detractors that insist that this march will never add up to anything, f- you. You, but this is the hallmark of revolution. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. You know, I had a dream the other night about that I was playing golf with Donald Trump and I was standing beside him with a club in my hand and I was, you know, considering my options. When I suddenly woke up, you know, it was one of those dreams where you want to just get back to sleep so you can finish it, you know? That was pretty good. I might have to put Mr. Burgess on Fox News. I'll put, uh, I'll put, I'll put Mr. Burgess up against uh, Sean Hannity. He'll tear him up. I need you to go out and talk to your friends and talk to your neighbors. I want you to talk to them whether they're independent or whether they are Republican. I want you to argue with them and get in their face. And- Press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. What we've got to do is fight in Congress, fight in the courts, fight in the streets, fight online, fight at the ballot box. And now there's the momentum to be able to do this. This is a death panel bill because people will die. This is deadly. This is deadly. I can't stand it. I am the most horrible man I've ever seen. Your president is a dishonorable, lying man. Ordinary people who simply saw what needed to be done and came together and supported those ideals who have made the difference. They've marched. They've bled. Yes, some of them have died. This is hard. Every good thing is. We have done this before. We can do this again. I don't respect this president. I don't trust this president. He's not working in the best interests of the American people. His motives and his actions are contemptible. And I will fight every day until he is impeached. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. As far as I'm concerned, the Tea Party can go straight to hell. In fact, the only thing your mouth is good for is being Vladimir Putin's holster. Oh, Ivanka's going to be our saving grace. You know, when he's about to nuke Finland or something, she's going to walk into the bedroom and, you know, yeah, daddy, daddy, don't do it, daddy. I mean, he's so blatantly stupid. He's a punk. He's a dog. He's a pig. He's a con. A bull****. 
artist, a mutt who doesn't know what he's talking about, doesn't do his homework, doesn't care, thinks he's gaming society, doesn't pay his taxes. He's an idiot. Colin Powell said it best. He's a national disaster. He's an embarrassment to this country. It makes me so angry that this country has gotten to this point, that this fool, this bozo, has wound up where he has. He talks how he wants to punch people in the face. Well, I'd like to punch him in the face. And I might just kill ISIS with the same ice pick that I murdered Donald Trump in the same night with. Which enemy are you most proud of? Probably the Republicans. <laughs> Ivanka Trump, who works at the White House, chose to post the second most oblivious tweet we've seen this week. You know, Ivanka, that's a beautiful photo of you and your child. But let me just say, one mother to another, do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless he listens to you. Put on something tight and low cut and tell your father to stop it. Tell him it was an Obama thing and see how it goes, okay? We'll be right back. All right, here to weigh in on all these developments, he is the media reporter, aficionado, contributor to The Hill. Uh, Joe Concha is back with us. How are you, sir? That's my new title. I'm no longer a reporter, a columnist. I'm the aficionado, baby. Uh, listen, whatever makes you happy. I Listen, I have <laughs> I have other words for other media people, and I can put you on that list, too, if you want. And I think you know some of those names. That's a list I don't think I ever want to be on. That's uh, <laughs> not, not good. You know, I've actually, what nobody knows is I don't have Twitter on my phone anymore. They haven't figured it out yet. Now, the last Twitter fight I had was with Kimmel, but I had to actively put it back on the phone and then actively take it off when I was done. And Aren't you in a better mood now because that you're not in that swamp all day? Because well, I, I'm, I, the, the reality is I just don't need a fifth job. I mean, I feel like I'm working enough now as it is. And while in the beginning it was fun, and I love fighting. I mean, obviously I do MMA, you know, mixed martial arts training every day. So I'm I'm obviously in verbal combat often with the left. So I have no problems with it at all. A lot of these people can't take a punch, which makes me laugh. They just bubble and fizz like Alka-Seltzer. But, yeah, the answer is one less job on my plate. Yes, sir. You are the Cobra Kai of Fox News and of radio. There's no question about it. <laughs> okay. Congratulations. Yes, sir. What's uh, going on? It's a lot to unpack, right? I mean, this was one of the craziest weeks. If you're a media reporter or columnist, I'm telling you. I mean, I've never seen so many stories, rapid fire of just people <laughs> shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, like Samantha B. let me start with her, okay? Samantha B. people want to go off on her, and yes, they absolutely should. When you call what she did, Ivanka Trump, a feckless crime that words with bunt, uh, look, if Laura Ingram or Michelle Malkin or Katie Pavlik ever, ever said that, a conservative woman ever said that about any Obama woman or any Clinton woman, they get fired. There's not even a thought process around there, just like Roseanne did. I think so many conservatives, Sean, saw this happening and said, wait a minute, Roseanne gets fired, but Samantha B is at an award ceremony on Thursday night getting a, an award for advancing uh, social dialogue, and she doesn't even get suspended? Nothing? No. And the I thing know. is, her comments, Sean, were in a teleprompter, which means they well, were Well, that's suspended. the whole, yeah, I, I mean, that's an amazing part of it. I mean, I, I, look, Ambien took a big shot at Roseanne and saying, well, it's not one of the known side effects to be, you know, bigoted, um, and I, I get it. I don't know. What time did she send out her tweet? Do we know? What, Roseanne? Yeah. Uh, it was at night. I, I don't know exactly what time. I'd have to look it up. But, but I mean, this is I, a good I point. Start, like, I mean, excuses, whether it's Ambien or no, not. No, I don't think anybody should make it. Look, before. and 
Do, do is am I right if you know Bob Iger is sending out statements? This does not reach Disney standards. Okay, there's Jimmy Kimmel, Alec Baldwin, Father of the Year. What about the tweeting of Keith Oberman? And I, I want to be clear. I'm not. I don't want Bob Iger to fire these people. I'm not asking. I'm not telling people not to watch these shows. I mean, if you want to watch somebody who's really not funny and kind of vile and mean spirited. And nobody really watches her anyway. And I don't know a whole lot about Samantha B, except that I think she's trying to get, gather some attention for herself and doing it in every dumb way possible. Yeah, you know, go watch the show. Sean Hannity's not going to stop you. Right. I mean, look, you don't want to start calling for firings and boycotts and all that. I don't know if silencing people is any good. Let the free market decide whether these people should stay on or not. And ratings do that, right? Uh, look, Oprah's the best example here, Sean, because. Disney owns ABC, right? Iger ultimately was Roseanne's boss, and it was his call to cancel the show. But then how could you cancel her? And then in the same breath, hire Keith Oberman for the sixth time. When he sends out, I want your audience to be clear, this is what he said just in one tweet, just quoting it. And I can't say the word, so I'll just you know paraphrase here. F you at real Donald Trump. Nazi, Nazi, F, Nazi, Nazi, F, Nazi, Nazi, racist, Nazi, bigot, go F yourself, Nazi, effing Nazis. Wait a minute. That's in one tweet that's got to be a record. And then Bob Iger says, yep, that guy no. needs Disney standards. And But, but Roseanne doesn't. It's that well, I mean, the guy the, so it, angry probably about. that one tweet, and there I have pages of them, of him, very similar tweets. It pro- yeah. And it probably is one of the reasons the guy cannot hold a job. And I think, what is this, his fourth or fifth attempt at ESPN? Six. There was a time when he was working with Dan Patrick in SportsCenter. Uh, look, I'm not going to deny that the guy, I think, had encyclopedic knowledge of sports, witty, quick, funny, and and had talent, but he's gotten so angry and so bitter and and really kind of a little weird, too, in the process that it's he's kind of lost it. But Bob Iger just hired him. So Bob Iger... You know, I think he's got a need in need of a little self-reflection time himself here. Wins in all this, believe it or not, President Trump wins in all this because when these people are acting so unhinged and say all these things, it only benefits him because it's showing just how crazy people have become. And then, meanwhile, they look at the progress that the the nation's making. I mean, look at that jobs report today. I mean, two hundred twenty-three thousand added, we're down to three point eight percent unemployment. And the only thing that media can concentrate on is, well, President Trump, he tweeted out about the jobs numbers before they came out. And they focus on the negative again when people in, in, in middle America and Mich- Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio are saying, hey, things have never been better. The New York Times, of all places, says we are running out of great things to say about this economy. That's when you know things are going new, well. That came right out of the New York Times mouth. I mean, it will be. And look at where we are. It looks like the June 12th summit's going to be a go. Maybe, maybe not. And the president said it may not be one meeting. You know, we had the North Korean delegation departing the White House earlier today. Seemed like on very extremely friendly terms. And uh, the letter delivered to the White House and the president directly from Kim Jong-un. Um, who would have thunk that when the president was calling him little rocket man and and putting fleet of the U.S. Navy ships, striker brigades, right off the, the coast of the peninsula. And, of course, uh, everyone was predicting, oh, no, this is going to start a nuclear war. Joe Concha, The Hill, thank you, my friend. We appreciate it. My buddy John Gomez just walked into the studio. Um, I'll talk to him in a minute, then we'll get to your calls at the bottom of this half hour. All right, as we roll along on this Friday, 800-941-SEAN is our number. So my buddy John Gomez, uh, I don't know what business you have in the city today, walked into the studio 
We've been friends from third grade. He, he said you wanted to write a book about me. I'm like, really? What, b- b- about what? What are you talking about? Well, about you, obviously. Yeah, what? I mean, all the things we used to do. Why we're friends. You know, what? why you are who you are. Uh, that's a good question. Why are we friends? How did this last? Let's stop. It's question number one. Why are we friends? Yeah, what? I, actually, I think you said that at my wedding. You know, <laughs> you you get up there to say something, and you said, you know, I don't even know why I like you. <laughs> I never said that. That is God. an absolute. I never that's said. True. Do you have it on video? I have it on video, folks. Uh, and that also will be in the book. I will say this. When we were growing up, I got in a lot more trouble than you did. I don't. That's true. No, but the problem is you were sneakier than I was. You were oh, better. No, 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 oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No. You were so much better. Not me. Yes. Oh, no, please. Ah, oh, not me. While the rest of the school was at rehearsals yeah. for the Christmas Carol concert. <laughs> oh, no. Gomez was back at the school vacuuming the entire school. <laughs> you mean the I day I got even, suspended? I don't, I don't even know how I got that deal. Well, they, it was, uh, we were in sixth grade. My father was never more mad in my, well, well oh, no, that's true. He was mad a lot of times. I don't remember you being suspended. Going to know why you weren't allowed to go to, down to the Washington, D.C. eighth grade um, Oh, no, no. My parents like, nope. You were the only one in the class. That I didn't go to Boston to... the year before either. I didn't go to that either. No, I didn't, because my parents said, you're going to get in trouble. They had such, they were like, you in D.C. for three days with Gomez is a bit, and John, and Chris is a bad prescription that's that's trouble no, actually the way i kind of saw it was every single time i'd come to hang out with you on the weekends friday night saturday night your mom knew my, my mom was a prison guard for 25 years by the way go ahead no. your mom knew that the chances of you coming home in the back seat of a patrol car went down <laughs> tremendously if you were hanging out with gomez you know this is the thing you you're like eddie haskell and leave it to be. You were like, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Hannity. It's such an honor to see you again. And they thought, why can't he be more like John? And I'm like, he's worse than me. Why are you <laughs> believing this? Uh, anyway, you're not allowed to write the book. Uh, 800-941-SEAN. When we come back, your calls much more. Friday, 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free number. We're going to get to your calls in a minute. First, I want to say hello to Jeffrey Earnhardt and Nine Line, and he have teamed up, and they're backing this Memorial Day, which has just passed. And uh, those who stand up for the families that are left behind when a soldier pays the ultimate sacrifice. You know, we had a great weekend last weekend. Why? Because so many people put their lives on the line, and many lost them. And so many others were wounded, all in the name of liberty and freedom. You want to know why it's so important to fight for our Constitution every day? That's why. Anyway, uh, they have joined together, Jeffrey Earnhardt, along with, uh, you know, he's a stock car racer. And he literally, you know, now competes part-time in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. And, uh, by the way, my brother-in-law, Tim, is probably his biggest fan. He joins us now. And how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm good. What's going on? Oh, not a lot. Just uh, you know, you gonna, you really gonna let me you let me gonna let me ride one of these cars at three hundred miles an hour or two hundred miles an hour? Come on, come on! I'll put you in the passenger side and take you around. You wanna you wanna know something? I I didn't grow up with NASCAR. I grew up as a big hockey fan, right? I was I grew up in New York and I played a lot of hockey and a lot of baseball. You know, it's just it's a little different. And then I lived in Alabama for a while. I lived in Atlanta for a while, and all my friends were NASCAR fans. Every one of them. And uh, <laughs> remember Eli Gold used to do the announcing oh, of all yeah. these races? 
I mean, I got to, I met him once, amazing guy, and I used to run the board. All of a sudden, I became, I just started to become a NASCAR fan. And long story short, when I finally went to the Daytona 500, I was shocked at how amazingly, amazingly fast you guys go and what a real sport this is in the sense that, you know, it's a little, it's obviously different than football, basketball, baseball. And you know what? It's a dangerous sport, as you know, as your family knows. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely a, a different sport. You know, still, still, uh, all about you know being competitive and stuff. But it's uh, a, a little different. You know, you, you get to go 200 mile an hour, and um, it takes uh, it takes a lot of money. But you know, that's why it's good to have uh, have good partners that you're involved with that you know make the the whole picture go around. Yeah. Well, tell us, you know, you actually said over this past weekend, I don't think I've ever had to hold back tears so hard in my life as you were participating, you know, in this Memorial Day weekend honoring U.S. service members and their families that gave it all. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, for, for one, just the, the opportunity to be partnered with such a awesome company like Nonline Apparel that, uh, you know, does so much to give back to uh, all different kind of foundations is is just a great opportunity. And then, uh, you know, this past weekend at, at the Charlotte uh, race, you know, we uh, we helped raise money for a foundation called Angels of America's Fallen, and uh, you know they continue to take care of the family members who mm-hmm. have lost a loved one, uh, you know, in, in in the military. And um, we had a couple families there that you know that you know had had lost a, a loved one that you know paid the ultimate sacrifice, and um, to sit there and see. Uh, see how excited the kids were at, at you know at the at the event was was pretty incredible. And then um, you know when it, when the family broke down and started uh, started crying at uh, the beginning of the race when they started playing taps, man, it uh, no, that'll it, kill it you. Tough. It, remember, it look, was, my father uh, served in World rough. War II, and at his funeral, they did it, and it just kills you. It just breaks you up. Um, and, uh, uh, let me bring in two for a second here. We got Tyler Merritt, and uh, he's also on the line from the Nine Line Foundation. And uh, well, I want to thank you, Tyler, for all you do. And uh, you know, how did you get Dale Earnhardt's uh, grandson uh, to participate? Uh, obviously, such a, a big name in racing. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, Sean. I really appreciate it. And uh, honestly, Jeff and I became friends a few months back, and, and I've had the opportunity to make some incredible friendships and partnerships over the last couple of years. Uh, we just partnered with Black Rifle Coffee, got their first franchise location. Aren't they the uh, best people in the world? They're an advertiser yeah, on their show. Isn't that Their coffee is amazing. They're the coolest guys I've ever hung out with. I, honestly, they, they're they're good friends, and I like partnering with friends. Yeah, uh, me too. It, it's all business, but it's you got like-minded organizations that really just like to get after it. I spent the majority of my career in special operations. Obviously, that's the majority of their senior leadership, uh, and they're just good people. And 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 when Evan and I talked about, you know, buying a car and getting the right driver, we wanted to make sure we got the right one. So one of the questions I asked Jeff was, "Hey, Jeff, how do you feel about uh, taking a knee for the national anthem? Uh, Jeff, how do you feel about that?" Jeff, how do you feel about that? Uh, you, you By the way, before you before you answer, I'm going to help you out. You know, just be careful. <laughs> no, I, it, I, I, it, I don't think you'd ever see me take a knee or anyone at a NASCAR event take a knee. That's uh, you're that's not going to see Sean Hannity take one either. By the way, I'm not even. I won't support the New York Jets anymore now that the uh, the current 
you know, president of the Jets to say, oh, we'll pay the fine. I'm like, no, I'm not accepting that. So Yeah, that's, and that's ridiculous. And that's why we decided, you know, if we're going to be endorsing sports, uh, you know, we're, we're one of the fastest growing patriotic apparel companies. I'm blessed to have been able to not only, you know, return from uh, yeah. upwards of a dozen deployments, but, you know, we're, we're just growing like crazy. And, and to enter into NASCAR with Jeff, who's an incredible human being, and a partner with people like Black Rifle, uh, and we decided rather than having our logos on the hood, we wanted to pay respects. And a lot of our friends. No, I want the Hannity on the logo on the hood. What are you talking about? A Black Rifle company? <laughs> A coffee company and Hannity together. I think that's an awesome combination. And we'll hey, put nine on, line too. We'll do a, we'll do like a, a heart combo. Hey, I got I got you covered. You know what? Hey Jeff, for your race in Fourth of July in Daytona, what do you think about putting Hannity's uh, name on the side of the car? Hey, we we can throw it on there. By the way, those cars are covered in these in these decals, and I bet people pay millions to put it on there. And I'm going to get a free one because you're my friend. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, though, I'll I'll be glad to donate to your cause. And uh, listen, it's very important. We cannot forget these families, and I know the president feels the same way about it. And if you uh, if you guys can give out any way that this great audience of mine can help you, uh, please tell them because and we'll put it up on my website, Hannity.com. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, if they go to NineLineApparel.com, they'll see uh, a bunch of landing pages there uh, talking about our upcoming race, Fourth of July. All the money will go to the Nine Line Foundation. I got Bernie Carrick, who's on my board. Uh, And we're raising money to uh, take uh, veterans off the street to to support homeless veterans in a sustainable uh, project in in conjunction with the VA. By the way, then everybody needs to know, because I work with a lot of vet charities, that PTSD is real. You know, these guys, multiple deployments, you know, living under the most stressful conditions imaginable. And, you know, year after year, it's rough. And uh, we got to help these guys out. Anyway, we'll put it up on the website. Thank you, Tyler Merritt. And uh, we really appreciate it. Jeffrey Earnhardt, thank you. You have a legendary family, and uh, I have nothing but great admiration for you and, and all you're doing here. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yes, sir. I really appreciate you doing it. All right, guys, thank you. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, amazing stories. Yes, the summit with North Korea back on. This is history in the making. We'll have all the details. Historic, incredible economic numbers. I doubt the Detroit Trump media will be covering. We will. And two massive new breaking news stories, one by Sarah Carter, one by John Solomon. That's right. The deep state, the White House, they were in control from the beginning. All evidence seems to point in that direction. We'll explain news information you won't get anywhere else. Set your DVR. We'll see you tonight at nine. Have a great weekend. We'll be back here on Monday. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hey, as spring unfolds, the warmer breezes, guess what? It is time to embrace the comfort of your own backyard. 
and I have found a game changer for your home oasis. It's the Michael Phelps Swim Spa by Master Spas. Now, this is the ultimate two-for-one deal. You get a luxurious hot tub that meets an elite exercise pool that you'll love. This is not just relaxation. It is a first-class experience in the privacy of your own space. Just go to masterspas.com, enter the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner for up to $1,000 off your Master Spa. Exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand that I trust. That's masterspas.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.